If you could give a gift to bring joy to someone you love this Christmas, what would it be? Well, tell us who and what in the chat if you're on our live stream right now. We'd love to hear what comes to mind for you. See, we believe there is one true source of joy. We believe that to bring joy, we have to go to that source. And in this video, we're gonna discover what would look different about your life if you lived with constant joy so you could help others find that joy as well. Hi, my name's Jason, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We're an online community of people from all different backgrounds who believe that even though life can be stressful and challenging, we have found a life that is light and full of rest in Jesus Christ. And let me be clear, we aren't talking about a membership to a religion or a personal philosophy of life. He invites us into a community where we can all be transformed into people who live as he did by forming our lives around his central command to love everyone just as He loves us. And no matter who you are or even what you believe about God, we want you to be a part of this Jesus community to love everyone always. One core belief we hold is that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. We believe He's for you and He only has good things for your life. And we hope that this video gives you a glimpse into who we are as a community and motivates you to take a step into joining us as we discover all that God has in store for our lives and for our world. So if at any point during this video, you have a question, or maybe you feel God speaking to you, and you wanna talk through that with someone, there's gonna be a number on the screen the whole time. And you can text that number at any point, and our speaker for today will respond as soon as they can. And if you're watching this on one of our live streams, we would love for you to engage with our community in the chat. Because even though right now this is just a video you're watching, we hope that your interaction with us moves from just being content you consume to a community that you're committed to. And we'd love to help you take your next step into community right now. So we want to offer you a $10 Grubhub gift card just for starting a conversation with us. If you're watching in one of our Facebook live streams, simply direct message our page or comment in the chat the words, I love free food. Or if you're watching on YouTube during one of our live streams, simply text the number on screen with the words, I love free food right now. And if this is the first time you've communicated with us, we'll send you a free $10 Grubhub gift card. We are that serious about you taking a step into community and you can trust it because well, we don't mess around about free food. And if you're with us all the time, you can play along by commenting in our chat what food you're craving right now. It's just a fun way for this experience to move from just being another video you'll stream this week to being a community where you can find connection. So take a moment to do that. And while you do that, let's get into our main idea for the day. If you could remake the world in any way, what would you do and where would you start? I think one thing that 2020 has done for all of us is that it has highlighted how broken our world is. From the pandemic, to the political division, to the unequal ways that the pandemic has affected people of color and of lower economic standing, and has highlighted the huge gaps in income, race, and gender inequality in our world. 
Add into that all of the amount of personal stress, anxiety, relational turmoil, all of us have faced in one way or another. Everything this year has just reminded us how broken our world is. So, if you could remake the world in any way, what would you do? Where would you start? And I actually want to know. Please feel free to comment your answer in the chat if you're watching in one of our live streams or just text me at the number on screen to let me know. My name is Nathan and we really want our conversation here to not just be one-sided but to be a communal experience. So don't hesitate to get involved in our live chat or to reach out through text because we want to hear your thoughts on this. Because this is the central question that Christmas answers. If God was going to remake the world, what would he do and where would he start? And at Christmas, God began his recreation work in the birth of Jesus. Now, for thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, God had been working on the problems in our world through one family, the family of Abraham, which became the nation of Israel. God had given this grand vision of a new kind of society, a new kind of life to the people of Israel, where people behaved with the kind of moral integrity and loving compassion that God displays. And the way that this would show itself in society was that those who had power and wealth and influence would use their privilege to benefit those without. So throughout the Old Testament, you see God commanding the nation of Israel to take care of groups of people on the margins of society. Foreigners, immigrants and aliens, widows and orphans, those who were socially disenfranchised and had little to no ability to lift themselves up by their bootstraps. And that through the way the Israelites loved and served their families and neighbors and especially those on the outside of society, the world would see the glory and goodness of God on display in the world. The world would also catch this vision of a recreated world. The goal was for the nation of Israel to use all that God had blessed them with to be a blessing to others. And in this way, they would serve as a light to the nations of the world that there was salvation and a new life in the God of Israel. But Israel never came through on that promise. In fact, the whole last section of the Old Testament of the Bible is filled with prophets of God declaring that Israel had failed to take care of foreigners and immigrants and widows and orphans. In fact, they were now oppressing them. They had become like every other nation and empire in the world. Those in power succeeded and got rich off the suffering and the servitude of those underneath them. And all these prophets declared that even though the people had turned from God and his vision for the world, God had not given up on them. Though they were unfaithful to God, God would be faithful to them. And one day he would send a chosen king to fulfill the vision he had given to Israel. This chosen king was called the Messiah, which just means God's chosen one. And he would recreate and reorder the world in the way that God intended things to operate. The lowly would be lifted up. Those who had used their power corruptly would be brought to justice and God's righteousness, which means the right way that things should go. It would be established in the world. Now, this is a lot. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with me? Well, I think maybe more than any time in my entire lifetime, the world has become desperately aware of its desire for this vision of God to come true in our world. 
More than ever, I'm hearing people talk about waking up to the kind of injustice and inequality that exists in our world. More and more, we're aware of the kind of gap between those in power and those who aren't. Maybe it's even more personal for you. Maybe you're feeling the weight of brokenness in your marriage or in your emotional or your mental health. Maybe the brokenness has been brought on by your own moral failures and lack of integrity. But the idea of a world free from brokenness and injustice, a world established on the righteousness of God where the lonely and the forgotten are lifted up, this is a world we are more hungry for than in years past. This is the kind of world that Jesus was born into. And so when an angel of the Lord came to a young virgin in a poor, forgotten part of the world, the word joy barely can describe the feeling that was brought into the world. You've probably heard the story before, but the angel shows up and tells Mary, you have found favor with God. You, a poor teenage girl in Roman-occupied Israel, you who have no power, no opportunities, you who live in fear for the Roman army that's patrolling your neighborhood every day, you have found favor with God, meaning God is going to do something powerful through you. If God was going to recreate the world, where would he start? With the poor and the powerless. He's not gonna start with an election or raising an army or militia. He's not gonna hold a fundraiser or create a business plan to attract powerful investors. He's not gonna recruit the influencers or movers and shakers of his day. The kingdom of God is not a top-down, trickle-down way of changing the world. It begins at the bottom. It works like a small bit of yeast in dough and it slowly spreads. It begins with the poor and the powerless. So you can imagine the shock Mary feels when an angel of the Lord tells her, you will be carrying the Son of God, the long-promised Messiah who will establish God's kingdom, God's recreated order to the world. There's no category for this. This is not how the world changes. It doesn't begin with a poor girl who has no ability to advance herself, who is trapped under the power and authority of an enemy army, whose husband is a carpenter. And although this might conjure images for you of a general contractor or skilled, highly paid cabinet maker, that's not really probably what Joseph was. Wood was not really prevalent in ancient Israel, and so most buildings were constructed with stone and clay. So what many scholars believe is that this word tecton used for Joseph actually meant handyman, day laborer. No one looks to Joseph as a man of influence. Jesus is being born into a powerless family, but the angel tells Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine what is happening in the heart of a young peasant girl who probably never imagined her life beyond day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck type living? She's not a modern teenager with dreams of being famous or being noticed or being an influencer. It's not even a possibility for her. But an angel comes to this girl of a lower class and says, you have found favor with God. The Lord has noticed you and he's going to use you in his plan to change the entire world. What kind of joy do you think this sparked in her? 
Well, we don't have to guess because Luke, the author of one biography of Jesus' life, records this song, which is like a prayer that Mary sings in response to this news that she will be the mother of the Messiah. And I want you to hear that song in light of all that we've talked about today. My soul glorifies the Lord. My heart sings with thanks. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of me, his servant girl. Though I'm not important, from now on all people will honor me. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His loving kindness extends to those who honor him from generation to generation. He has performed powerful works with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He brought down rulers from their thrones, knocked tyrants off their high horses, but has lifted up the humble and pulled victims out of the mud. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He embraced his chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled the mercies, piled them high to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly, the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. How beautiful is that? Doesn't that sound like good news? Well, not if you're rich. I don't want to get sent away empty. I mean, if I'm a ruler, I, I don't want to get brought down from my throne. But this is the response to the good news of Jesus' birth. The kingdom of justice and righteousness, the right order to things is coming. God is recreating the world and he's doing it from the bottom up. It begins with the poor and the powerless, not the rich and the powerful. In fact, this is how Jesus began his ministry on earth. Jesus was a traveling preacher. He would go from town to town preaching this message that the time for God's rule had come. The kingdom of God, God's vision for a recreated world order was coming through his presence on earth. And of course, he taught in Jerusalem and in the wealthy parts of town. Of course, he spent time with the rich and the powerful and influential people. But you don't even have to be a Christian or a Bible person to know Jesus' reputation of spending time, most of it around the poor and the outcasts, the sick and the powerless. If he were in America, Jesus would have been preaching about the kingdom of God in the inner cities and trailer parks in communities where English is a second language and with single moms working two minimum wage jobs to support their kids. He would be with children in defects custody and those in government assistance lines. Because when he was on earth, Jesus spent his time in the places that people of wealth and influence forget about and pretend like they don't exist. And when Jesus began his ministry, he went to his hometown synagogue, which was like the religious and communal gathering place. And he picked up one of the prophetic writings of the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and he read these words. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, this phrase, good news to the poor, is actually repeated several times in the life of Jesus. And I always find it striking. Isn't the good news of Jesus good news for everyone? And the answer is yes. But there's a special way in which it is good news for the poor and the powerless. As Mary saying, God is going to lift up the lowly and those who live in a humiliated state in our world. Here's why. Listen to the end of this writing from Isaiah. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this idea of the year of the Lord's favor is incredibly complex, and many scholars aren't really sure about all the far-reaching implications of what it means. But for sure, this was a time when a restart was supposed to happen. Debts were canceled, prisoners, slaves were released, people who had been oppressed and pushed down by society were suddenly given equal standing with everyone else. It was often known as the year of Jubilee, which just conjures this idea of great rejoicing and joy. It certainly is good news, but especially for the poor and the powerless. It was a time that was designed for the nation of Israel to reflect the goodness, mercy, and compassion of God to the people around them. But as far as we can tell, Israel never observed it. So here Jesus is reading this passage, and then the author tells us, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, which was the posture that a rabbi would take when they were teaching. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. In other words, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone's on the edge of their seat. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I am proclaiming the year of God's mercy and favor, the year of Jubilee. It's happening here and now in my life. Good news of great joy is coming to all, but especially to the poor. Why is that? Why would the good news be especially good for the poor and the powerless? Well, I think it's because of the nature of God's kingdom that Jesus was announcing. Many scholars and teachers refer to Jesus' teachings on the kingdom as proclaiming an upside-down kingdom. For example, Jesus would say things like, In my Father's kingdom, the first will be last, and the last will be made first. And then he'd say, So if you're working hard to save your life here, meaning if you're using your time on earth to build up a good life only for yourself and your family, if you want to save that life, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to give up your ideas of what a good life is to follow me, you'll find real life. Jesus would say, when someone attacks you, you should turn the other cheek. When someone wants to take your coat from you, give them your shirt as well. You win by losing. It's upside down. The first will be last and the last will be first. Well, that's good news for the last and the least. It's good news for those on the bottom in this life. But for those on top? For the rich and powerful, for those with a good job, with great benefits and lots of upward mobility who are spending most of their energy trying to get their kids into the right college and plan for an easy retirement. For those who are wealthy and privileged in the current way the world operates, we have a vested interest in not turning the order of things upside down. We have a vested interest in the kingdom of this world staying just like it is. And so although the good news of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people, all people may not hear it as good news or very joyful. 
Now that's tough to hear, especially if you're like me and you're privileged and wealthy and have a little bit of influence in your world. We tend to prefer the part of the good news of Jesus that is about my personal salvation, how Jesus takes away my sin and makes a way for me personally to be made right with God. And that is definitely a key part of what Jesus came to do. And we're actually gonna talk about that in the next week in this Advent season. The God of mercy that we see in Jesus, the God of the second chance. But if your good news only brings you great joy because of your personal salvation and your personal righteousness before God, then you might be missing so much of what the good news of Jesus is. Because Jesus came to lift up the lowly which is why on the night Jesus was born, angels came to shepherds. Shepherds were one of the lowest jobs in society in terms of pay and a status. And because these shepherds were on the night shift, they were more than likely not the owners of the flock. They were hired help, maybe day laborers. But angels come to these men and proclaim, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. They knew what this Messiah was bringing to their nation and their people. This was definitely good news. This was not the first proclamation of good news of peace on earth these men had probably heard in their life. The term good news comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is where we get our word for evangelism. It means to proclaim the good news. So every year there would be a celebration of Augustus Caesar's birthday. He was the emperor of the Roman Empire and was the adopted son slash nephew of Julius Caesar. And on his birthday, the heralds of the Roman army, which had conquered the nation of Israel, would declare a celebration of the birth of the son of God, Augustus Caesar. They would proclaim the good news of Augustus Caesar's rule. Good news, great joy, the Pax Romana, or the peace of Rome, has come to you through Augustus Caesar, the son of God. Now, there was a great irony in this proclamation. The peace of Rome usually came at the cost of your fathers and sons dying in war. The burden of overtaxation, the peacekeeping force of Roman soldiers who would dehumanize and deny you basic human rights. It was a law and order type peace, not the kind of peace on earth and goodwill to men that the heralds of heaven, the angels, would sing about on the night of Jesus' birth. So you can imagine how early audiences would have heard the beginning of Luke's Evangelion, the good news of Jesus' life. In chapter 1, Mary sings about how through Jesus, God is hurling rulers down from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, Luke says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, because decrees and commands are what rulers do. He decreed that Mary would have to travel to Bethlehem, and because of that, there wouldn't be room for her at any inn. So she'd give birth in a stable in terrible conditions. This is how the real Son of God would enter the world. He'd be raised among the poor and live his life without a place to rest his head. He would teach of a kingdom that would be eternal and it would be built from the bottom rungs of society up and his life would end at the order of Caesar's army. Because there are ways the rich and powerful of this world operate. And it's done through domination, physical violence, manipulation. Brutal men have to do brutal things to get ahead. And empires are built on the backs of slaves and lower classes. But not so in the upside down kingdom of God. Jesus' kingdom was established in his body and blood given on the cross. In this case, the most important person, the person at the top of the ladder, descended to the lowest place and died a slave's death of crucifixion. 
Jesus, who is in every way possible first among all people, became last on our behalf. He laid down his life so that we could live. And in this, he established the kingdom of peace and justice forever. And it's in this good news that all people can find great joy. Every week, we remember the death of Jesus on the cross in the way he asked us to, by taking the emblems of bread and juice to remember the body and blood of Jesus given for us. We call this time the meal of communion. If you're planning on receiving communion today, would you get whatever elements you have nearby, a piece of bread or a cracker to represent Jesus's body, and a cup of juice or even some water to represent his blood. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure you believe all of this, maybe you can just use this time to reflect on all that you've heard today. Is it possible there's a God who offers good news of great joy and an upside down kingdom where the last become first? Maybe use this time to offer a prayer to God, asking him if he's real, he'd make himself real to you, because I believe he wants to do that. Now for followers of Jesus, we're gonna receive communion in a different fashion today. As you prepare to remember Jesus, I wanna ask you to not only thank Jesus for what his death and resurrection means for you personally, but also for those in our world who are poor and powerless. I wanna challenge you to consider, are there ways in which the good news that I believe is not good news for foreigners, immigrants, widows, orphans? Are there ways in which I live that my life is not good news for the poor and the powerless? And if so, confess those to God and ask for His power and guidance to lead you into His upside-down kingdom in every way. Let's do that together now. Let's take the bread. This is the body of Jesus given for you to forgive your sins and offer you new life. Let's take and eat and remember. And now, take a few moments to thank God for how his death has brought you new life and adopted you as his son or daughter. And now let's take the cup. This is the blood of Christ poured out to make a new agreement between God and people, life forever in his upside down kingdom. Let's drink and remember. And now take a few moments to consider, is the way you live and follow Jesus good news for the poor and powerless? Is it good news for prisoners and the homeless, for immigrants and refugees, for single mothers, teenage mothers? for children in foster care and those in need. Ask God to show you how you can better live in his upside down kingdom that brings good news of great joy to all people. It's whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup that we proclaim the power of Jesus' death and resurrection over the powers of this world until he returns one day. Amen. Now, if you're like me, then a lot of this language of good news for the poor brings up a lot of political ideas as well. 
You might hear all this and think of arguments around capitalism and socialism or the government's role in poverty relief or conservative and progressive arguments. But if that's where you're stuck, may I offer this? You might be bringing your own baggage to this argument. I mean, one, I never mentioned what the American government should or shouldn't do. Two, if your mind first goes to what government leaders and rulers and governing bodies should do for the poor or what they should stay out of regarding the poor, then you've missed the point of the upside down kingdom of God. Either way, the hope of this world is not found in the powers of this world. The answer is not coming from the top down. God is beginning it from the bottom up. And so if you find yourself not on the bottom of the societal ladder, what should you do? The Apostle Paul tells us what to do by quoting this well-known early church song or statement of belief that was central to how the early church ordered their communities and their interactions in the world. They chose to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who didn't see his equality with God, that privileged status, as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he emptied himself of his divine privileges and took on the position of a servant. So if you find yourself in the privileged position of having wealth and influence and power in our world, what should you do? Use your privilege to lift up someone who doesn't have it. Does it mean you may not advance as far or as quickly up the ladder? Maybe, but you will advance in further in the kingdom of God as you follow the example of your king. So how could you do that this Christmas season? I want to thank those of you who took part in our Christmas in Coweta event that we do every year to share the good news of Jesus for those in need. We don't only provide gifts for families in need, but we provide hope and joy. Is there something else you could do to bring hope and joy to those who are financially poor? Are there organizations that you could volunteer with or donate money to that are doing something to help those in need this Christmas season? As a church, we've been working on joining God in the work of racial reconciliation that is core to the good news of Jesus. In our world, in our country, people of color have been historically disenfranchised and denied positions of power and privilege in our society. What could you do to join in this work this Christmas season? There are organizations that are working to bring equality in the justice system, in the education system, in the medical field for people of color. Could you volunteer with our community partner, Empowered for Life, to mentor students here in Coweta County? I know usually at this time of the year, we corporately join together in big projects to do something for those in need in our world. Because of COVID, much of this has not been able to happen. But you need to know, the goal of these programs was not that you would only do things for those in poverty at these events, but that they would inspire you in your world with your resources, your personality, to do something that would be good news for the poor. So what about those in prison, those in foster care, the elderly in shut-ins, those in long-term care facilities, mental health facilities, hospice? What can you do for a single mother in your life or for people who have recently immigrated to our country? Forget about your political beliefs and ask yourself Jesus' chief moral question. What would I want others to do for me? What would love look like to me if I were in their shoes and how can I do that for others? This week of Advent is all about the joy of Christmas. So let me ask you, what would it look like for you to bring good news of great joy to someone else? 
I want to remind you that we're asking everyone at Community Christian Anywhere to share our Christmas Eve service with someone in their life who needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Who in your life needs the message of joy Jesus brought to the world? Would you consider hosting a watch party, either in a physical gathering or online with them during the week of Christmas? I promise you this, and you already know this, but another iPhone, another piece of jewelry or sweater or gift under the tree, it's not gonna fill your heart with joy. The greatest joy you can feel in this life is joining Jesus in his work to lift up the lowly, to bring good, the good news of Jesus to our world. So what are you gonna do? May this Christmas in quarantine not quarantine you from the work that Jesus has been doing in our world to recreate this world into the rightly ordered, justice-filled world God intended it to be. And when you do, your life will join in with the words of the classic Christmas song, Joy to the World. I love the verse in that song that says, He rules the world with truth and grace, not with law and order or giving everyone what they deserve, but by turning the order of the world upside down and lifting up the lowly. As the song says, He makes the nations of this world prove the glories of His righteousness, His justice, and the wonders of His love. May that be true. May we wonder at the glory of God's justice and His great love for us this Christmas season. May we be bringers of good news that brings great joy to all people and lifts up the lowly. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature's We will sing, sing, sing Joy to the world We will sing, sing the world 
So what would it look like for you to join Jesus in bringing good news of great joy to all people? For so many of us here at Community Christian Anywhere, we found that discipleship, learning from Jesus in every area of our life, has filled our life and our relationships with what Jesus would call full and abundant life. And we'd love to help you find that as well. Because as we've said throughout this experience, We want your interaction with us to be more than just a video you watch. We want to help connect you to a community you can be committed to. See, we don't believe this one video is going to change your life. But if you can get involved with a community of people to walk this out with, well, we're certain it'll change everything. So please, text the number on screen to talk with our speaker for today. You can tell us what you're going through or simply text help with family or marriage and we'll use the best resources we have to support you. We'd also love for you to take a moment and go to our website, cccanywhere.com, to find out how you can get more connected with us. There are a lot of resources on that website, including some specifically designed for your children and ways for you to support our church financially. Not because we need your money, but because a part of loving and following Jesus is supporting the body of Christ, his church. And one way we can do that is by giving a little of what God has given to us back to him. And there are many options on cccanywhere.com. So please take some time and check it out. But the best way to get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on cccanywhere.com that says, join our Facebook group. That link will take you straight to our Community Christian Anywhere group where you can click the Join Group button and you'll take one easy step towards getting more involved with our community so we can connect with each other anytime. I hope to see you there. Now, I truly hope this isn't the end of your interaction with us today. 
So if you're watching in one of our live streams, we're going to leave our chat section open for about five more minutes. We'd love to have you to continue to connect with us there. In fact, we're going to put up some discussion questions based on today's video that we hope you'll respond to. We would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback on the message or anything else you've seen today. And if you're watching this on demand, you can always feel free to text us through the number on the screen. And as you leave today, I hope you'll consider sharing this experience with someone who could benefit from hearing this message of God's love. Also, think about who you could share our online Christmas Anywhere experience with during the week of Christmas. Go to cccanywhere.com and click on the card that says Christmas Anywhere to find out how to do that and even sign up to receive a free box of supplies to make your Christmas Anywhere experience better for you and the people that you're sharing it with. We want everyone at Community Christian to prayerfully consider who they could share the good news of Jesus with this Christmas because everyone deserves a chance to hear the good news of Jesus. And maybe the good news you needed to hear today is that God has more in store for your holiday season than stress and dread and anxiety. And through our community here, we want to help you experience all that God has to offer you now and in the coming year. Because we believe no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you.